Wonder Thing Studios proudly presents the Roundtable Podcast, episode 88. Hello, literary alchemists. I'm Dave Thompson. And I'm Dave Robison. And you've tuned in to the Roundtable Podcast. On the Roundtable Podcast, we invite writers to come onto the show to pitch a story idea to us and our esteemed guest host. And then we skydive into it, exploring (laughs) what works and what doesn't, trying to transform the raw idea into... Literary, literary gold. gold. Yes. Awesome. I, we're, we're not even going to pull the rip card, man. We're just going to, we're going to free, what is that? Free dive when you dive off of a cliff and, and, and you got <laughs> the wings and, and shit and you're flying along. That's how it's, we do this thing. It's <laughs> us and Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. That's and right. it's a all point, the way down. It's a point break moment, baby. <laughs> uh, Dave Thompson, dude. I am so delighted to have you here uh, uh, as my co-host and and to share this experience with you, man. You you have been so much a part of my integration into podcasting, into story, into audio fiction. Your work at Podcastle was exemplary uh, uh, and inspiring. And I think, you know, you're kind of a gateway drug for a lot of us <laughs> who are kind of trying to get thinking, but can we do podcasting? It's like, God, Dave, Tom- I want to be Dave Thompson. So Dave so Thompson is- did it. So anybody, can- <laughs> that was not the implication <laughs> at all. That was not it. At no, but all, I, I'm so glad I'm here. I mean, I, I love this show, Dave. I love your voice, which, you know, I love <laughs> Listening to you read stories for us at Podcastle. Yeah, that was and blast. I love what we're doing here. So I am I'm here and I'm so glad it's worked out. Me too, brother. Me too. And let's let's do what we're here to do. Let's let's get into this bad boy. Let's bring our yeah. guest host back uh, uh, from a fabulous twenty minutes with exploring transmedia storytelling, uh, uh, the writing process, the the the, the meta nature of storytelling in general. It's Freaking brilliant. Uh, please welcome back to the big chair, Andrea Phillips. Andrea, uh, the 20 minutes with was a delight. I'm delighted to be spending time with you, and I'm really stoked to brainstorm a story with you, ma'am. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. <laughs> I know, because nobody knows what's going to happen. It's like, God, this could be utter crap, but it won't be. <laughs> it absolutely won't be. It, it never has. It never will. It's It's... What was it from? From uh, uh, I'm smart enough. Oh, from Shakespeare. Shakespeare. I was going Stuart Smiley. So, (laughs) and and that's why we do this because we all come at this from a very different perspective. I was going to go, it's a mystery from Shakespeare in Love, but Smiley works too. Yeah, Absolutely. I like Shakespeare in Love. Jeffrey Rush, <laughs> baby, go for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, Andrea, before we dive into this, I, I got to ask, you know, we, we, your background is so rich and diverse. You've you've done transmedia. You've done ARGs. You've now written a novel. You're writing another novel. You're you're expanding your the scope and, and magnitude of your projects with each step forward. I'm really curious to ask this question then. What's coming up for Andrea Phillips? What's coming up? See, and, and here I'm going to just sort of blink and stare because I have a, <laughs> a whiteboard in my office with like eight projects on it. And I can't remember what any of them are if I'm not staring at my whiteboard in my office. <laughs> um, I have so much going on. I have 
there's a choice script game called Mermaid Hunter um, that's set in the universe of the daring adventures of Captain Lucy Smokehart that is coming out. You play as an academic of the Royal German Marinological Society, and you're going to prove or disprove the existence of mermaids. I'll give you a hint. Mermaids totally exist. <laughs> what a shock. Totally exist. You have statistics like academic rigor and credibility. Um, it's it's really weird in the same way that The Daring Adventures of Captain Lucy Smokehart is also just really weird. <laughs> and great fun. Holy and, crap. And great fun. <laughs> <laughs> I I had an illegal amount of fun writing <laughs> almost all of, of Lucy Smokehart. And as a result, it is really quite strange. We won't tell the fun police that you you broke the yeah. rules, the, the thresholds of fun for writing this. Very cool. When's that coming out? Um, I believe it's going to be either late this late this year or very early next year. I think we're looking in the December to February zone, but I don't have a set release date yet. Okay. All right. We'll keep our ears to the ground and listen mm-hmm. for, for rumblings of mermaids. Awesome. Okay. I have Circus of Mirrors that should be coming out precipitously, possibly even this month, which is uh, the, the interactive children's book you alluded to on the last episode. Yeah. And that's, that's really, really exciting and special to me because I, I wrote it actually a couple of years ago and it's it's taken a, a bit of a slow path to publication. Um, but it's it's also really kind of weird in the same way that Lizzie Smokehart is weird. So apparently when I when I write <laughs> young, I write strange. You are the <laughs> new you, you're the young weird. It's, it's young a new weird. genre. That's, that's me. That's me. <laughs> And then I'm going to be re-releasing Lucy Smokehart in a single volume in the next couple of months. I, I should probably make up a release date and tell you what it is. Uh, but it's, it's just me putting it on Kindle. So it's frankly whenever the hell I say it is. Um, <laughs> um, and then what else do I have? I'm, well, you I'm just had a book come out. Sure. Do, do I, share that with our listeners. Did. I just had a book come out. You and it did. Got good reviews and everything, and people like it, and like some people have totally bought it. Um, <laughs> and it's stimulating called, a lot of conversation on the internet too, which is also very cool. I I'm really proud of that book. I don't Re- blame you. Revision yeah. is is my book. That's it's it's really sort of snarky and incredibly feminist. And it's it's kind of cross genre. It's it's science fiction because I I'm I'm waving my hands because I say quantum in it, and that's the rationale <laughs> behind the things that happen in it. Um, but it's it's really a, a kind of an analysis of startup culture and everything I hate about startup culture. And uh, it's about privilege. Uh, there's there's a lot of interesting commentary around the book about the the protagonist being kind of unlikable, and it's interesting that. With a, a male narrator, you can get away with a, a certain amount of humanness where you can't in in a, a woman because I don't consider her unlikable so much as I consider her just incredibly honest and human. And she does all of these honest human things that I, I will admit I have, have thought those thoughts. You know? <laughs> but so so I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm really, really proud of, of the book and how it's come out and how it's been received. That's outstanding. Absolutely. So, are you are you looking at a sequel? Do you think, or is it a, a very solid standalone event? I have some ideas <laughs> for what I would do with a sequel. Honestly, I would prefer not to write a sequel because I think it it stands better on its own. Okay. It's okay. got a lot of ambiguity to it, but I think it's it's meaningful ambiguity and not cliffhanger ambiguity. I can respect that. Absolutely. Um, but it's it's the sort of thing where if suddenly somebody were going to toss a 
couple of buckets full of money at me, then yeah, damn right I'd write a sequel. No, it, nothing, it depends on how much money is in it, really. Nothing motivates like a couple buckets of cash, I'll tell you. I know. So, so, and, and so Circus of Mirrors Revision. Uh, what was the mermaid story name again? It's called Mermaid Hunter. That's the Mermaid Hunter. Theme. That's awesome. Um, and, oh, and oh, I, and I have one more thing. One yeah, more yeah. thing. It's sort of secret. Okay. Um, I can't tell you really a whole lot about it, but I'm writing for Serial Box, who you may have heard about. Oh, my for God. For some, some unannounced stuff. And I'm super excited. It's been an amazingly good experience. So that's also a thing that I have going on right now. Well, and, and Serial Fiction, uh, we have an essay coming out from you uh, on Vex Mosaic on, on Serial Fiction, which uh, is is very timely and apt and appropriate for that. So very cool. Yay. Indeed. Um, and uh, conventions? Do you convention at all, Andrea? I sometimes do. As it happens, I have two conventions coming up. I'm going to go to World Fantasy in November. Awesome. I may not go to World Fantasy. I'm not sure I'm going to get a membership because I'm probably not cool enough. But I will I be beg to differ. I will write you a letter of cool recommendation. <laughs> letter of recommendation. I'll be I'll be around World Fantasy and I will probably be very easy to find uh, on the Twitters at that time. So if, if anyone is there then I would I would love to hear from them. And then I've I've committed to go to confusion in January, I think it is, yep. of 2016, uh, in, in no small part because it's, it's close to my old stomping grounds where I went to uh, late high school and college in, in Ann Arbor. Right, right, right. So there's, there's a little bit of a, a home court draw there. Home court draw. That's not an, ex- an, an expression in any way, is it? <laughs> no. It's not, not a thing that people say. It, it's, it's sort of kind of, that's okay. We'll let it slide. See, if you hadn't brought it up, everybody would have just glossed right over it. And I will <laughs> see you at Confusion because I'm going to be there too. Uh, Thompson, Thompson, can you make it to Confusion? Uh, the, the, the sad thing about becoming a teacher is that, um, because teaching is awesome, but you know, the whole school schedule is really messing me up in, in that respect. Roger that. Roger that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it'll be summer cons. Confusion, but hopefully a con in the summer will be a lot of fun. Awesome. We'll pour out of 40 in your honor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ab- well, Andrea, I will make sure all of that gets into the liner notes. Let me let me turn the mic over to Master Thompson. Uh, uh, now, now, Dave, you have established yourself not only as as the voice of Podcastle, but also as uh, a distinguished writer of tales. And I cannot fathom a world where you aren't writing something and getting ready to put something out into the world. So, what's what's coming up for Dave Thompson? Oh, that's really kind of you. Um, I've got a couple stories coming out in the next few months. Uh, one from Apex Magazine, which is called uh, All Things to All People, um, which is a, a really kind of um, dark personal fantasy story. Uh, okay. Also really short fantasy story. Okay. Uh, contemporary fantasy that I'm really excited about and um, really a little bit proud of. And then I have In Beneath Ceaseless Skies, also coming out in a couple months is uh, a story called blessed are those who have seen and do not believe. Uh, but interestingly, both of those are, are kind of plays on, on Bible verses. I was um, going to say, that, it sounds kind of intense. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're both very different um, from each other. One is, one is like a very minimal list, minimalistic story mm-hmm. and the other is like a crazy gonzo uh <laughs> steampunk-esque story set in the saint darwin spirituals universe that i've kind of created and played in a few times 
Awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about both those things. And then I have a collection of short stories coming out, hopefully around uh, the end of the year called and welcome back <laughs> the signature so, phrase yeah so I'm, I'm super excited about that too and that's got some new stories in there including one from the saint darwin's uh universe that i was just talking about which is which is what i'm working on right now so very cool exciting yeah the dave thompson canon grows and expands slowly and, but surely indeed indeed well you're getting some good showcasing too i mean beneath ceaseless skies that's that's a hallmark that's an icon of of spec fic that's a that, I, yeah i gotta say i'm i'm super excited to be in that magazine because um i i really love that magazine. they have a high I've bar been, they said a they high do, bar. And i've been looking forward to to finding the right story to go in there. So um, it's been really awesome to work with both them and Apex Magazine over the last few months. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I will make sure, my friend, that that gets in the liner notes, too, so that all of our listeners can make with the clicky-click and check out all the fabulosity that's going on in both (laughs) your lives. But right now, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to take a brief pause and give some podcast airtime to to uh, to another ebook another podcast a uh, kickstarter some fabulosity that's happening out on Tay interwebs uh and when we come back andrea dave i would love to brainstorm a story with you what do you say yes yeah. ah, yes <laughs> i can see the ringing the, the the rubbing of the hands and all of that that's delicious yes awesome well friends don't you go anywhere we're gonna rub our hands evilly and we'll be right back <laughs> the time has come the villain said to plot of many things of heroes traps and ray gun blasts of minions and power rings and why the sidekicks always die, and why the supervillains make the best kings. Supervillain Corner returns for its epic third season, premiering October 31st and dropping every following Saturday. Subscribe through iTunes, or download the show directly from super-corner.com. That's super-corner.com. We will be back. The villains will be back. We always come back! <laughs> and welcome back to the Roundtable Podcast. Oh, God, that is that sent chills, man. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> friends, you're not listening to podcasts, so you are on the Roundtable Podcast. Thank you, Mr. Thompson. That was... That was... <sighs> A moment. I had a moment. Yes, we are back, and it is now time to get down to the reason why you're here and the reason why we're here, the story workshop. And that does not happen without a bold and courageous, a creative and courageous guest writer striding forth to the writer's table and setting the table for our for our brainstorming feast. And dear friends, our guest writer is a gypsy pirate who's been voice acting since 2005, and I might have doing it beautifully. She hosts her own podcast, Gypsy in the Attic, exploring the experiences of being a voice actor, as well as interviewing other voice actors, podcasters, and authors. She is also a featured narrator for Mark Slade's The Book of Weird anthology and many of the audio dramas from the 4077th Productions audio group. And 
What a shock. She's also a writer and currently <laughs> has several short audio pieces on gypsyaudio.org and will soon be releasing additional short stories on her website. Dear friends, please welcome to the writer's chair here at the roundtable, Laura Nicole. Laura, we, we, we've met at Balticon. We've, we've circled each other in the potosphere, which has been delightful. And I know you're a veteran at this, but... Putting up your story for for scrutiny and discussion and brainstorming is never a simple thing. So hats off to you, ma'am, for your brazen courage in striding forward. We really appreciate it. And what fabulous hats you do have. Oh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Many, many. I Fab- always... Fabulous happens to be the, the hardest word for me to not use. Um, especially at Balticon, when I did all of my interviews, I think when I interviewed you, I used the word fabulous maybe five times. So I really need a better adjective. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, and I find making up your own uh, is actually a really good thing to do. So, so hence words like courageous and fabulosity. Uh, uh, you know, just just add an ity to the end of something, and it's brand new. It's awesome. <laughs> So, so, uh, Laura, just real quick, I don't want to deviate too much from this, but uh, uh, what's coming up in uh, Gypsy in the Attic uh, uh, in, in coming episodes that our listeners might want to tune in on? Um, so we are finishing up the Balticon interview series, and then from there, with any luck, I will have several episodes canned where I can start releasing the podcast version of a novel I hope to be launching at Balticon next year oh, fabulous. Um, called Bad Alchemy. Um, <laughs> so I am, uh, I'm very excited for that. This is a story that I've been working on for about four years now. And uh, I've got editors working on it. I've got a publisher for it. So it's all about getting everything uh, all put into place. <laughs> That's outstanding. Well, friends, if, if there was ever, uh, uh, you know, yes, there's going to be George R. R. Martin there and a whole host of other stellar luminaries, but damn it, Laura Nicole is going to be releasing her novel at Balticon next year. Make that scene, people. Uh, and you say you're going to podcast it through gypsyaudio.org? Uh, no, I'm going to podcast it through my website, uh, gypsylaura.com. Ah, gypsyaudio.com. Gypsyaudio.org, it's very near and dear to my heart. I um, was one of the founding members of that website. But that website is uh, headed by uh, a dear friend of mine, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard, and she takes fairy tales to a whole new uh, twisted level, and uh, and that is her baby, and I uh, I don't think my story would quite fit there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, okay, so there you go, friends. Now there's there's gypsyaudio.org and what was gypsy gypsy radio? Uh gypsy Laura. Gypsy Laura. Duh. Gypsy Two sources of fabulosity. Excellent. Excellent. But we have a whole different agenda this evening. Uh Laura, you've brought uh, a very cool Short story, friends, which is not something we get a chance to play with all that often here on the round table. Uh, so uh, this will be an intriguing uh, brainstorm. So, Laura, you know how this works. We give you five to eight minutes. Give us the title, the genre, the target audience. Give us a, a hook line. Tell us about the themes of the story. Introduce us to the world and the characters. Give us those basic tent poles of story, and we will be off to the races. So I'm going to get out of the way, ma'am. The mic is all yours. Well, thank you very much. So the story that I brought to the table is The Minstrel's Regret. 
I suppose the genre could be dark modern fantasy. The target audience is ages 16 and up. It is the tale of a lady minstrel who is given a journal that allows her to write epic stories and songs. She dies before completing her masterpiece. Back from the dead, she cannot find the journal and is haunted by her late husband who begs her to give up her pursuit and come back to the peace of death. The theme is no one can escape death, not even those who believe that their work is not yet finished. The story is part of a collection of short stories of people who come back to finish something that is undone. Basically, that need to finish whatever needed to be done is so strong that death cannot hold the person. So my story takes place in today's New England. Our characters are married minstrels who frequently played at local pubs, then conventions, then all across the country. That's how good the songs were. But the minstrel's inspiration came from the very journal she wrote in. She got the journal when she was poor and starving, sitting on the street corner uh, for anyone who had change to spare. A man approached her and handed her the journal. He told her that the journal would allow her to write all of her songs and live up to her fullest potential. If she kept the journal till she died, she would be his in the next world. So I have two main characters in the story. The first is the minstrel. She's our protagonist, and she is unnamed as of yet. The minstrel is a woman who came from poverty. Through the story, we see her remember her life as a young destitute woman and how she rose to fame with the help of the journal. When she rises again from the grave in her middle years, the prime of her life, when she was the most desperate for success, she is seeking her lost journal. She is hungry for it and can barely focus on anything else. Uh, her strengths, she is a survivor. She's lived on the streets and knows how. She's fought to gain everything that is hers. She is also very proud, sometimes too proud to know when to back down. Uh, the only person who is persistent enough to get her to back down is her husband. She fears going back to what she was, to being someone that had so much to offer but was invisible to everyone. Overall, there's just one person that she wants to be able to see her, her husband. She wants more than anything to be accomplished in his eyes. At the beginning of the story, she's so desperate to finish her song that she can barely think. She's like an addict being forced through a withdrawal. She's in a panic and can't focus. She might even be physically ill. Uh, at the end, she hits her recovery. She sees her drug of choice and is able to put it down. Our other character, the antagonist, is the Harper. The Harper is deaf, but he looks like the minstrel's husband. Just as she returned in the prime of her life, so he reflects the time when the minstrel fell in love with him. He wants her to give up her quest for the journal and to come to her final rest. The journal is what got her killed in the first place. The Harper is patient. He follows the singer's lead, and he persistently reminds her of what she does and does not need. He doesn't have a weakness because he is her death. There's no stopping death. It knows how to wait. 
the Harper fought once to free the soul of his beloved from the dark entity that held her captive, but she had fallen back into her desirous need for the journal. The shred of him that is not death fears not being with his beloved for the rest of eternity. He wants his beloved to see that she is whole without her stories and songs, and it is just her that he fell in love with. He starts the story the way he ends it, with open arms and comforting words and trying to bring her home. So the key plot points of the story, the story begins, she rises from her grave. The minstrel doesn't know it's her grave, but she needs to find her journal. It's dark, and she uses all of her strength to go up towards uh, the light that she sees above her. The need to complete her song compels her. She remembers coming from a place where she burned, and the only thought she had was that if she could just finish her song, she would be free. Uh, she first goes to the home where she and her husband had lived. It looks strange and empty. Uh, the journal should be there, but the Harper insists that she doesn't need that book to finish the song. Any scrap of paper would do. Uh, the minstrel becomes infuriated and tears through the house looking for her journal. All the hiding spaces are empty, and she leaves with nothing and goes in search of other hiding places. The minstrel continues to search a few other key places, the alley behind the corner where she first made the deal for the journal, uh, the dressing room where the Harper proposed to her, and so forth. Her husband continues to haunt her, telling her she would be happy if she could just take his hand and go with him. Eventually, the Harper convinces her to come back to rest. He fought through fire and hell to get her to a peaceful resting place. He, as death, becomes angry with her because she was throwing away the sacrifice that was made with this futile mission. He loved her without her music, and she admitted that she loved him more when he put down his instrument and when the songs they sang had no words, but more meaning than all the world. When she returns to her grave, a journal of fine leather and a quill pen are waiting for her in the open casket. She writes, and they journeyed into the next world hand in hand. She kisses the headstone of her husband and tells his ghost, I'll be along shortly. Let me get into bed and goes back to her rest. So what I want to work out with the story is to figure out where to go in the middle. I know point A and I know point B, but I want to have an interesting journey, even if it's only for a few pages. I know that she should not interact with the living though she will see them. She'll be hungry for the journal, like an addict or a zombie, um, at first, but the desire will wane over time as her husband's ghost keeps trying to get her to come back to rest. Okay. All right. Wow. That's fabulous. Excellent pitch, Laura. Uh, I think you have set a fine brainstorming table uh, for us to feast at. Well done, ma'am. Uh, yay! Yay, indeed. Uh, <laughs> now, before we dive into this, we need to cover our ass. Master Thompson, would you be so kind? Absolutely. Laura, you're about to experience a veritable deluge of ideas, insights, and inspirations. It's important you realize that everything 
and I mean everything, said from this point forward by myself, Dave, or Andrea, uh, also me and me, might be complete <laughs> bullshit. This is your story, and you decide what to use and what to cast aside. Sound good? Yep. Awesome. We're covered. <laughs> All right, let's dive into this bad boy. We usually start off with a quick once around the table, just a very brief first impressions of the story and the story pitch and any questions of clarification to, to resolve any uncertainties you might have uh, uh, so that we can dive into the brainstorm proper. And we always habitually start with our guest host. So, Andrea Phillips, start us off, man. What were your first impressions of Laura's story idea and what questions do you have to clarify things? It was a really interesting story. I'm like, I'm half writing it in my head right here, thinking about <laughs> the, the sequencing of, of, of flashbacks and so on. The, the main question that I have, and I think this may help to resolve your question, uh, Laura, of, of what that squishy middle bit is, is how long is she dead before she rises again? What's the period of time between when she passes and when she rises again? And then what happens in that time? Because... Uh, the story could be the process of discovery, not just of uh, the, the backstory, so to speak, of what happened when she was alive, but also of what happened after she was gone. Did her husband predecease her or did he not? Did they have children or did they not? Are people still playing her music or have they forgotten even that? So I think I think if you could have her, her, her journey be... Uh, that process of, of discovery, then, then maybe that would help you to clarify where you're going, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. That actually sparked about three or four ideas in my head. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Do you want me to give any responses if that will help the roundtable? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Just very briefly. Go ahead. Okay. So very briefly, she dies before the husband and uh, they have no children. It's just them. Uh, the time passage is less than a year, but it's been several months, enough time for um, the estate to sell the house and to empty it out. That helped clarify things for you, Andrea? So the, the next question I have is what terrible thing happens such that he's dead within a year? Yeah. Heartbreak. Dies Just of heartbreak? a broken heart. Okay. So that could, that, could, that could very well be the story, too. You can show him dying of heartbreak as well. well and, and but he's not him. He is death. Right. Mm. And we're going to talk about that in a second, too. Uh, uh, but, uh, and, and do keep in mind, everyone, that, you know, the set pieces that Laura has set down are, are little paper styrofoam things. They can be moved around. They can be turned upside down. They can be utterly changed. Uh, uh, so, you know, we're definitely respecting Laura's uh, essential spirit of the story. But if there's an idea that, that would add or enhance to the vibe of the story, you know, that's that's on the table as well. Uh, any other questions, Andrea, for this first round? Um, I'd like to hear what you have to say, actually. <laughs> I, 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 I will actually I will pass the mic over to Master Thompson uh, uh, and then and then I'll play cleanup. I'll, I'll do the sweep up at the end and, and throw out my stuff. But Dave, what about you? First impressions and questions? Damn it. <laughs> OK, no, I'm 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 excited. Uh, so I do have a before we get too far, I have a clarifying question. He's the husband, but he he becomes death, or is he is he literally is he literally death? Can you walk me through that a little bit? So he is specifically her death. Okay. So 
he is her death represented in the form of her husband. What do you mean by her death? What is her death? So everybody's death is different in, in this universe that I'm writing in. Okay. So, um, you know, this person, her death is, is represented in her husband. Another person's death might be, um, some, some goal that they haven't achieved or some family member that they still need to protect. Okay. Um, so there are many different forms of death. This one is just death personified. And she has cheated death and therefore her death is tasked with returning her to her rest. Right. Okay. All right. Not willingly, mind you. Not willingly her or not willingly the death? Not willingly did she cheat death. Right. Right. It's her passion, her desire. Yeah. Okay. Does that help, Dave? It does. Okay. It does help. And and so that's a cool point because... When I'm thinking of death, I'm thinking of like the Grim Reaper or death from, from Terry the Pratchett. Death. Yes. The death. And so I like the idea a lot of um, all these little deaths that, you know, each individual person has. And um, I just went to erotica, which tells you where my brain is. Cause... <laughs> I have there too. It's fine. <laughs> but it's not that kind of story. Kid. That's right. Not that kind of story. Okay. Um. So, so I like that. And I, and I like the overall, um, you know, you're, you're dealing with some really big themes here. And I, and I like that about the story. Uh, it, in some ways, the, you know, the flashbacks and visiting the different places that she, she's been to, the major events in her life. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I mean it completely as a compliment, um, because it reminds me a little bit of A Christmas Carol, which I Ooh. think is just... Uh, one of the best stories. I mean, one of the most timeless stories that we've had. That's kind of um, cool. And and so I, I really dig that about it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> say what? Say what? Laura? Charles Dickens check. <laughs> yes, emulates Charles Dickens. Got it. Done. You know what? And there, there was even now that you say that there was a moment when when we were hearing the the first little bits of the story when I, I wasn't quite sure yet if this was going to be a sort of multiple alternate timelines sort of thing or not. What happens if she has the journal? What happens if she doesn't have the journal? If she takes the bargain, so to speak, uh, or not? Um, or or even what happens if she finds the journal again in death versus she doesn't? But there's there's a lot of either way there's a lot of really interesting ambiguity to play with here. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And 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 I, and I I think there's a lot of ex, I, there's a lot of ambiguity. I'm sorry, Dave. Were you was that what you're wrapped up with your questions and so on? I just want <laughs> well, to make sure. I def- no, I definitely want to talk about the ambiguity some more. But um, I, so just some other questions, real quick. Um, I'm really curious about about the stranger who gives her the journal. Yeah, me too. And what what kind of um what kind of allure that she sees in him, um, what, what attracts her to him. Yeah. Is um, the journal magical? Uh, is he magical? Yeah. Who is this which, guy? Which is, it was actually my next question. Um, I wanted to know more about the journal and whether it was in fact, and this is something going back to the ambiguity, which you can play with in so many ways, but is it actually a magical artifact or is this something that she has? Give it up, Laura. Who's this guy? Tell us about the journal. So it is ambiguous for a reason. Um, I am pulling from the inspiration of a song called um, Under the Gripping Beast, which is another 
uh, way to, to describe the devil. But um, I didn't want to make him specifically the devil because I didn't want an overarching religious theme to it. So he is a being, a dark being of great power who can keep your soul prisoner. And the journal is is a contract and it has within it the ability to bring out your fullest potential. So in your moments of pure genius, if you had all if you had them all strung together, it still wouldn't be as inspirational as this book is. And it's all written in your hand. All you got to do is put pencil to paper and it will, and it basically writes itself. It's already been inside you, but you just don't have enough time in the world to think about it and then get it out. So the fact that you are curious about this stranger and curious about the origins of the journal, it's supposed to be there. And you're only supposed to get hints of it. But basically the stranger is something like Cthulhu or the devil if you smash the two of them between each other <laughs> and and the the demon guy from legend. And you, nice. you mix Tim those Carl. three yes. in a pot and <laughs> mix those three in a pot and then you've got this this dark stranger and then you add David Bowie for a lure. Um, <laughs> and then you're good. Because um, <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have the pecs. And then we're very, very good. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Okay. All right. I think we oh, yeah. does that does that resolve that for you, Dave? Yeah, it does help. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. For for myself, Laura, there's there's this wonderful uh, Celtic misty forest vibe to it. This this very twilighty uh, and I say that, you know, in, in the time of day, not in the time context of the book uh, uh, but that 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 transient time when you can't see things all that clearly the the story really emulates this the state of the protagonist uh, very nicely so you know kudos for for setting a beautiful stage uh, I had the same question about the the stranger and the book uh, uh, and the, the the OCD in me wants to you know have answers for this, but the storyteller appreciates the ambiguity, and that's cool. We can just leave that be. That's awesome. Um, I did have some questions uh, uh, and some concerns. Uh, just out of curiosity, why no children? Um, because when you when you live the life that that they do, traveling around, they probably would have taken precautions not to have children so that they could be on the road as much because she is very hungry for, for the power that this thing gives. And, um, you know, like most successful people, they're so busy creating things um, and doing things that they forget to stop and, and have a life unless that person is on the ride with them. So, um, so the fact that they don't have children could be a regret for her. It could be a regret for her because okay. um, she's got nobody to leave it to. But that could be um, that could be a blessing or a curse because if she left it to um, a child, then they could also fall prey to it. Sure, sure, sure. What, assuming that we're we're uncovering some of the ambiguity of the nature of the journal, then mm-hmm. uh, so okay. Well, in you know, I'm asking because you know there could be a cool scene where she sees her child, and you know, part of this. Part of the theme that you're working with is temptation uh, and compulsion and obsession. Uh, uh, and one of the things that can break that is a startling moment of clarity, like 
seeing your child, uh, maybe even seeing your child playing one of your songs. Andrea, one of the things you said about uh, uh, people playing her music, there's got to be a scene where she runs across somebody playing their song, uh, one of her songs, and, and how that affects and impacts her. I think it's beautiful. But, you know, I, 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 you know, logically, yes, I can see that now. It's possible also that the book is also, you know, sterilizing her and not allowing her to breed because that's that would divide her attention from her obsession. Wait, uh, wait, wait. I, I got to speak up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I very much resent the implication that you have to d- define a female uh, character by whether or not she's had children. It's no, fine no, I, I, to have not I, had children. I love you. You know what? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to... I, Thank you for mentioning that because I, I was going to bring up the same the I same thing. Didn't mean to imply <laughs> that she was being defined by that by any stretch of the imagination. It was it was the choice of of having children or not, and the implications in the context of the story. I absolutely agree with you, Andrea. <laughs> absolutely no, and and please, if that was the implication I was giving, that was not where I was going with that at all. So to, to that point, though, it does bring up an interesting thing. If she couldn't have children and she had a regret, she probably took some kind of protege. She probably took somebody under her wing to help her out along the road. Um, And I can definitely see if she's going, especially like back to her old pub and her old stomping grounds, see that same protege playing her songs. Um, Or even a very intense fan. Yeah. So, I mean, you can definitely have that aspect, but with, with the way that I see her and her obsessiveness about the music, I don't think that she would make the time for having a family. Cool. That's there's also, you know, I'm just throwing this out here because we're we're kind of going around the table and talking, but the idea of like a cover artist um, or somebody covering her, her song and making it, something really powerful without having the journal is, I, I don't know, something that's really intriguing to me. I like that actually. Cause that kind of makes me think, so, you know, we've got this world. Okay. Let me, let me ask one last question. Then we can dive into that. Let's, let's, let's put a pin in that and circle back. Cause I think that's awesome, Dave. I think we can, we can get some mileage out of that. I had one other question. Um, the journal got her killed. How? Um, by her obsessiveness. So, she neglected herself. Okay. So this is, this um, is Jim Henson dying of pneumonia. Got yeah. Because he's yeah. working so, so hard. So essentially she's working so hard and she was almost done and just dropped out of exhaustion and could not breathe anymore. Okay. All right. Cool. Awesome. Um, the only other question I want to put out there is uh, you mentioned that her deepest desire is basically her husband's approval. Did I ha- do it's, I have that right? So it's um, her, her basic desire is to not be invisible again, but also to be accomplished for her husband. So not, not necessarily accomplished in the eyes of her husband. So I probably stated that wrong, but she wants to make her husband proud by being the best she can be. Okay. Okay. I can see that. So it's like she she wants to give him honor by being the best. Awesome. Okay. I, I, that, that makes sense. I get that. I get that. And when you love somebody, you want, you, you, you seek their, 
not necessarily approval, but you 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 live for them, through them. You are in service to them uh, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Your your life is enriched by that. So awesome, cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, and and that also you know talking about those moments of clarity. You know the husband can be those moments of clarity. And and when she she leaves the specter of her husband slash death, uh, uh, then uh, she she gets distracted. And when he returns, you can have those those real conversations about the thing that distracted her there. This really could be, a, it's an unburdening of the soul with each station that she goes to uh, uh, and seeing the distraction and the allure of fame and and creation and, and that, that burning compulsion. And then that moment of clarity with, with the one that you love and being able to look at that objectively and, and realize what that is. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, nice structure. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, let's let's dive into this. We've, we've already dived into this. What am I kidding? Uh, uh, but but Andrea, where do you want to start first with this? I I wanted to go back and talk about this this ambiguity thing a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that there may be a slight clash of of motivation, and it's between the idea that she came back from some terrible hell-like place um and then the question of choosing to go back there and presumably continue to suffer and fulfill her contract um because death is in league with the the bad entity that's that's the impression that i'm getting i I just sort of want to make sure that this is this is an, an appropriate reading because it's a little ambiguous but that is kind of what i come away with so this okay. is a really terrible, horrible story because she's being fooled by the image of someone she loves and and so moved what, by her affection in order to not actually be able to break free of, mm-hmm. yeah. So is, so is that what's, what's going on here? <laughs> so, um, so the contract says if you keep the journal, uh, if you cast away the journal, then your soul will be free. Mm-hmm. If you keep the journal to your death, then your soul is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's essentially becoming reborn. And so at the end of the journey, she finishes her song and leaves it there. She does not take it back into the grave with her. Mm, okay. So we have that that moment of separation then. Right. Okay. So, so is she in a hellish torment? Uh, is, so, she, is she in hell after she dies yeah. because she held the, the, the journal? She, so when she died, she held on to the journal. So she went to hell. Her husband has this out-of-body experience where he fights for her soul and gets a short reprieve for her. Then he dies. <gasps> and she goes back to the hell place because he's no longer there to anchor her. Can I, can I pitch you on something? Yes. Yes. Sure. Do it. Can I pitch you? The thing that I would, that I would pitch you is this is how he dies. What you're, what you're doing is telling the story of his death and he's not also coming back. But that thing that you just said is the thing that's happening in the story where he somehow in a dream, in a vision brings her back and convinces her to, to discard the journal. And that's kind of the thing that kills him. Okay, so so it really is the husband's spirit. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm kind of confused by that concept. Like, I can't. Yeah, no, no, I, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. fit into the exact framework. It's it's just it's it's it's. No, I get what you're saying. It's yeah. cool because the the reprieve Andrea that she gets 
from hell mm-hmm. is this time that she's walking on the land, that that she's awake. She she escapes hell and doesn't quite understand why. And you know, in in the sacrifice, as as he fights spiritually for her and and sacrifices himself for it, uh, his spirit is freed. Uh, but he's confused too. So they're both. You know, you actually it is it actually is the husband. That's that's an intriguing. Uh, uh, <laughs> twist, uh, change, uh, a fairly dramatic change to the essence of the story. Yeah, yeah, it definitely breaks the idea that this is death in the guise of the husband, alas. Right, mm-hmm. right. I, I, I like. <laughs> I, I, I think the 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 draw that you have to that moment that the husband is. I think that's important, uh, and we didn't hear that in the initial pitch, Laura. And and I think, you know, that kind of sacrifice, that kind of of. You know, I, I will die for the one that I love is profound. Uh, uh, and, and I'm wondering if, you know, if, if we do keep with the, the this is her death and the death is trying to draw her back into the grave. I wonder if that moment, that explanation of how the husband granted her. This option. I mean, maybe the husband's death, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be the husband who's lighting her. It can still be death. But the reason that she has this opportunity is because, you know, her husband just died. Her husband just fought her free. And the only reason the death has the opportunity to bring her back to peace is because of the husband's sacrifice. That, that this that the desire to bring her back I, I know that was the foundational element but the key that unlocked the door that allowed that passion to bring her back was his sacrifice does that make sense long silence yeah <laughs> just just a um like one of those moments where you're like I want to be careful here is you know the husband sacrifice is profound but focusing you know, too much on the husband's sacrifice, I feel like, takes the lens of the story off of her. It takes the agency away from her, sure. And it takes the agency away from her, which right. is something I, I kind of want to avoid doing. That's a good point. That's a good point. But, you know, it, if it's if it's the moment of clarity right. that allows her to make a choice, and I think that's the key to agency, right? Making your own choice. Right. Uh, through the course of the story, she's obsessed with the journal and writing her song and finishing this up and the discovery you know Laura you had mentioned that the, the death was was furious because of the husband's sacrifice and I didn't understand what that sacrifice was but now I do uh, uh, yeah. and and you know I think I see what you're saying Dave and I, th- I think you're right to raise yeah, that and flag I'm not, and I'm not saying you know avoid at all costs I'm just saying and, and it sounds like you are Laura you know be cautious with yeah. With, with, with that idea. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. But that, that, you know, if, if we go with the idea that, that this journey that she's on through the course of this story is basically, uh, uh, an unburdening of sin, uh, uh, the, the, the sin of pride, the sin of obsession, the sin of, of compulsion, of losing sight of what's really important, then, you know, each stage of that process uh, uh, will reveal a different facet, as you say, Laura, very beautifully. I like the idea of the flashbacks and the and the the those moments of of transition. Um, but that the husband is ultimately her her, her lo- anchor. Right? Her an- yeah, exactly, yeah. Andrea. Her anchor uh, uh, in in what is really important and. 
in that moment of clarity, then she can finish the book and put it down and not carry it with her and not go back to hell. Is that, right. Does that resonate? Yes. Cool. Awesome. Dave, I want to go back to your idea of, of the, the cover painter. Cause that got me thinking. Uh, he was saying someone was covering the one of her songs. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, yes, that's badass too. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking of a cover artist, it, it, and I'll just I'll just toss this out there. It might not go anywhere. But if if we have our own deaths, then maybe we have our own devils as well. And maybe this isn't the Satan, uh, uh, Cthulhu, David Bowie, dude from. Legend. Tim Curry, legend, right? Uh, <laughs> but but maybe this is, everybody has one of those things. And the reason I bring this up was because I thought it would be cool if we could see a parallel of someone else who's going through the same thing she is, but still alive. If the if the cover artist or the painter, <laughs> clearly I missed, I misread that, Dave, sorry, uh, uh, is, is under the throes of that same temptation, then... It could serve as a dark mirror for her to see her shortcomings expressed through someone else, someone who is dear to her. Like you say, uh, a kindred spirit, a good friend, a protege uh, uh, who is walking that same dangerous, dangerous path. I think that's kind of a cool thing. And I guess you don't really need your own your own devil to make that happen. But that was one station, one moment that jumped out at me that, that would really be very cool and Echoing what Dave said, really. Okay. Uh, Dave, what were you going to say? say? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I just, you know, I like the idea. I, I like the ambiguity and, and and whatnot, but I like the idea that um, that she sees something different and amazing, you know, and, and avoiding the the child issue. She sees something different and amazing with this with this friend or or cover artist or whoever who performs her song. And, um, you know, and, and it, something, I don't know, something, something opens to her that she hadn't seen before. Well, and that would be a real transformative moment because not only is this, you know, her protege doing really, really well, you know, maybe she, she sees him, you know, opening to a packed club in LA or something. No, it's in new England. Sorry. Uh, in Boston or something. And, uh, uh, that just fills her with all sorts of wonderful, good, squishy feelings. And then he starts playing her song. And, oh, my yeah. God, holy crap, that's amazing. And that would be a real All the feels. Moment. All the feels, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's funny. I actually would like that the other way around, where Ooh, okay. she, sees, she sees her protege and uh, possibly very, very successful, if, if you like, although that could go the other way also, where in her efforts came to nothing really in the end. Um, and all of her music has been forgotten and nobody knows the words anymore and everything is terrible oh and none God. of it mattered anyway. Mine is obviously a much more upsetting <laughs> but perspective. That's not a, that's not a those are all thing. the different feels. <laughs> yeah, no, those are all of the different feels, the completely opposite feels, but you could definitely evoke feels one way or the other. Sure, sure. Well, now, let's explore that a little bit because that's kind of cool and that would that would change... <sighs> The, the thing that that would change would be uh, 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 instead of her overcoming her obsession, it would be a confrontation of her mortality and probably depression and 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 rage and frustration. There's there'd be an element of what did any of this do for me anyway? What what did it matter in the end? Sure. 
Well, and you could even have that moment if, if you know, if you have that moment where the, the, the successful protege is opening the club and say, I'd like to play a song now from someone who is very dear to me uh, uh, and, and taught me everything I know about music, blah, blah, blah. And he names someone else. It's like Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Bob. Yeah, Kate oh, Bush, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, have that be a heartbreak moment. Uh, uh, and and a startling, holy crap! What? Where am I in this picture? Uh, uh, and and that could create, you know, that could be a crisis point. That could be, you know, in every even in a short story, you're going to have this moment of darkness, this this going down into death, and and that could be her crisis point. Her, oh my god, I I can't do this anymore. I'm gone. Uh, uh, and and then she dies in a story sense, not not in the actual sense. Uh, uh, but the question then is, what brings her back out? Yeah. Well, I think part of it, uh, part of what I want to avoid is her going back into the obsession. You know, this is supposed to be about uh, a recovery from that obsession. But we got to uh, see the we got to see the obsession in order for her to recover from it, don't we? I mean, it's 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 kind of like. If, if we don't see how obsessed she was, then we don't understand the stakes for her overcoming it. Does that make sense? It does, but then how does she come, like, is, there has to be some kind of catalyst for her to back, back, bounce back from it. And I don't see, if we're doing it that way, where she's forgotten and she has no legacy at all. So that's, Ew, that's, that's why the husband that? becomes the pivotal moment. That's when she goes, she goes from this, everyone has forgotten me. The person who didn't forget her was her husband for whom this was all the, the, the point anyway. There you go. And that's, that's, so you, so you have this, this horrible discord and then it, and then it goes into harmony because that's, that's what it was all about. Right. Wow. Yeah, right, Dave? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of badass. And, and and you know, Laura, it doesn't have to be that she's completely forgotten. It could be just this moment when this protege, who she, maybe she's certain the protege has the book. You know, maybe that's the goal. And and so every station that she goes to is, is of course, seeking the book. And she decides that this guy has it. So she's making all these steps. If I only find this guy, I will find the book and I can finish my story, blah, 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 blah. And there he is. It's this transcendent moment, blah, blah, blah. And, and she's utterly betrayed. He, he tells her, you know, she, you know, however it happens that he does not honor her in some way. And now she's utterly trashed and, and utterly devastated. The book, the book no longer even holds any real appeal because now she's confronted with the real reason of her obsession, the, 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 oh, that, that compulsion of, of immortality and being remembered, uh, 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 that pride of, of your work. Once that gets shattered, then yes, she does need to be built up. And Andrea, exactly as you say, it's her husband. Her husband brings her up, and and she now, having been devastated, can do that. I that's a beautiful. And then moment. we get all the other other feels. Yes, <laughs> we have we've worked the full spectrum of feels in this but story. I have a, a question regarding like do we do we feel like it would be a be, we'd be better if the song is finished or if it's left undone at the end? Ooh. There's there's a lot of symbolism either way. 
And I, I think either way could be satisfying. It's just an interesting thing to look at. And, and it is. Um, but I said, so, <laughs> but. So, so the end of the story is, um, and they journeyed into the next world hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is no the end. I, I wanted to put a, a the end, but there is no the end for, for a reason. Because it's not the end. It's the beginning of the journey. But it's the beginning of the journey without, while closing this last chapter. Well, maybe, maybe it's like you say, it's not the end. Maybe she starts a new stanza and doesn't finish it. Cause I, I kind of like that, that notion that, uh, because the thing that brought her back was I've got to finish this song. I've got to finish. Well, but also I can see kind of the, the, the nice symmetry of she finished the song and was healed in the process. Mm-hmm. It, it just, there seems to be a, a, a conflict there or a, a, not a contrast, a, a What's the word I'm looking for? Not an oxymoron, a paradox of of I must abandon this obsession, but at the end she she still finishes the song. So has she abandoned the obsession? Well, the other option well, the option that I'm playing with is she finishes it and then she finds a way to destroy the journal. Maybe she destroys the journal and then sings the song, the end of the song, to the vision of the husband. To her husband, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, hand in hand, they go back to her grave. Mm-hmm. A thought. A thought. Um, it is a thought. It's, a, it's one that I'm seriously pondering. Yeah. And, and that's, that's mostly what we're doing here at the round table is throwing out possibilities. Possibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right, guys, I'm, I'm looking at the clock. I'm seeing it kind of tick down a little bit. Uh, uh, Laura, is there something else you'd like us to dig into before we move into that final phase of the, uh, of the workshop? Um, so we talked about um, as far as places that they would go. Um, we talked about her maybe going to a pub and seeing her protege, uh, whether or not he's playing one of her songs is still up in the air. Um, going to the alley where she got the journal in the first place. I'm trying to think of any anywhere else within reason that she would try to go to she find the journal. Sort of home, right? The place, well, the place the, where she lived is first. Yeah, that's the place where she lived. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, and that actually raises an interesting question: When she goes to the place where she got the book, are we going to learn anything about this mysterious stranger slash devil? I think we're going to get flashbacks mm-hmm. of. Um, you know, of everything that was said so that she can try to remember to see if there's any clue as to where it might have gone. It would be cool um, if she saw the guy who gave it to her and tries to go up to him and then realizes it wasn't and have that be the spark. And then, I don't know if you could do this, but have it actually be the dude because he's, <laughs> he's there watching her spirit writhe in torment as she so goes creepy. through this. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. The only thing is that, well, okay, so he's not living. So that might be another thing. Who's not living? She, um, she can't interact with the living. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, and, and he's not. So, see, and, and that's kind of, oh, 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 my God. W- wouldn't that be cool? Now, guys, bear with me on this. So you've got the death trying to heal her. Her husband just died to give her this opportunity to be healed. And the devil bad guy person is here to make sure she doesn't. 
So throughout uh-huh. the story, we have not only the husband's image of de- the death in the husband's image guiding her towards goodness, but you also have the devil figure pointing her towards the temptations. And you could have this very cool pull of tug and war until it, see and here, see the end result of that story then would have to be, no, both of you, get the fuck out. I'm making mm-hmm. this decision on my own. Which I think actually kind of empowers her more, uh, 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 and and maybe then you know maybe the, the the illusion of the death is removed, and the actual spirit of the husband comes, and and now the real structure of what's going on happens, and they both abandon the death and the devil, and say screw both of you and your games, I'm at, we're out of here together, all the feels. I don't know, I might be rambling. <laughs> Fade to black. All right, let's, let's. There's there's more to discuss, obviously, but we're 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 really running out of time here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take us into this last phase, and this is this is one last once around the table, Andrea, Dave, and myself. One last chance to to give some some parting advice, uh, uh, an idea you didn't get to toss out, some some last minute bit. Fill Laura's pockets with literary gold, so she can go off and write this story. Uh, Andrea, we'll start with you, ma'am. Uh, final thoughts for Laura. Literary gold. <laughs> I, I I need more than 15 seconds to come up with literary gold. <laughs> um, I guess if, if I had any parting thoughts, it would be um, this is this is obviously going to be a really character driven piece. And so I, I think we've talked a lot about the sort of the physics of it and the thematic elements, but it, it might be better to um, even, even put some of that aside and, and just think about these people and, and what's important to them. Um, and, and then you may find all of the things that you're looking for there. Like what, what are the places that would have been important to her? So yeah, that's that's I guess my no, that's, wisdom that, such that it is. That is absolutely well, and it's easy to get wrapped up in in the world and and the structure, and ultimately that that's good advice to go back down to the character, and and address very specifically and very personally their their motivations and and their their mechanism. I, no, that's 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 literary gold, Andrea. Sorry, you did it in fifteen <laughs> seconds. Well done, Dave Thompson. What about you? Final thoughts for Laura. What I would say to you, Laura, is that. Um, you know, something you, you're writing about something that is um, very powerful. And whenever we're writing about art, it becomes, um, it can become like very much a mystique and something abstract. And what I want to do is encourage you for in the middle to pick out like, you know, just a, a few scenes and to really, really bring home a lot of the uh, the concrete details of the story and the emotions and make them as concrete and, um, and heartfelt, you know, hit all those feels, but make them as concrete as you possibly can just to drive home everything. And I think your story is going to be, I, I'm really, really intrigued by your story. And I think it's going to be a winner. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and that is also an excellent point. You know, there there is you know, ambiguity and and poetry in in fiction is a beautiful thing, but it does need to be anchored in in a tangible, grounded, uh, recognizable framework to to have those questions have meaning and context. Excellent. Um, Laura, my recommendation to you is uh, uh, I I don't know if you've done this. I'm not sure you have, but 
go ahead and backstory the minstrel's uh, uh, life and be very specific about, you know, when did she get her first break? What was the first con she went to? Uh, uh, what types of song? You don't have to write the songs, but what's what were some of the songs that made her and her husband uh, uh, so damn popular? Uh, uh, when was her first television uh, uh, break? What were what were the albums? Figure out what that arc was of ascension that brought them to this point. Figure out where it went wrong. Because at some point during that ascension, she went from enthusiasm and passion to dark obsession and and stopped taking care of herself and let herself die. Stupid, stupid person. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, yes, she was under the influence of, of fame and fortune, but I, I don't think she can be exonerated from that. So, so what was the turning point during her life? when she started turning down that dark road. What, see, and I can see a a fight between her and her husband. Uh, 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 Maybe, you know, maybe they were separated when she died. Maybe he couldn't bear seeing her destroy herself like this. Uh, Oh, crap, maybe he hid the book. Maybe in a fit of, of, you know, love, for his wife, he hid the book, and he's the only one who knows where it is. And that's the revelation at the end. That, oh, gee, oh, that's freaky. Um, uh, uh, but that breaks, that breaks the rule, though. She wouldn't have kept it until her death, and therefore she wouldn't have gone to hell. And she didn't give it away. And it's the devil. You know, she had it stolen from her. That's That's not giving it away. You know, and, and the spirit of the thing is you, you, you have to give away the thing and thus give away the obsession. And she didn't. So, yeah. so you know, you, you can play a devil loophole with that. But I, I see what you're saying. But the, the idea is track that arc and then there are your stations. As you see the key points in her ascension and her descent, you can then know where she's going to go. She's going to go to that con. She's going to go to that coffee house. She's going to go to that television studio. She's going to go to that massive big club where they had the big thing and there's the guy and we have all the feels, the dark and the light and bigger, bigger, bigger. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that, that'll give you a roadmap to follow. Uh, so, okay, awesome. All right, Laura, here's the deal at the round table. You write this bad boy, and clearly, given given the froth of, of ideas and inspirations <laughs> that this has engendered, this is definitely a writable tale that we want to hear. So you write it, you put it up there, you you PDF on your website, self-pub, uh, audiobook, it doesn't matter. Get it out in the world where it's infecting people's minds with, with delicious ideas, and then we'll have you back and we will knight you. We will make you a knight of the round table podcast. Are you down Yay! with that? <laughs> yes, I love Arthurian lore. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. And it'll it'll be a, a dark and shadowy knighting ceremony. There'll be creepy sounds and and organ music. It'll be delicious. No minstrel. All right, I'll have my armor on. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrea Phillips, ma'am, thank you so much for this. This. I have always affirmed that it's always a good idea to bring somebody who's who's been down these roads a few times before us on these adventures into the unknown. And you have proven once again the wisdom of that choice with your insights and your additions to this brainstorm. Thank you so much, ma'am, for making the time and, and joining us for the froth. Oh, thank you.
<laughs> You're welcome. Dave Thompson, my 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 man, my 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 fellow Dave. See, I'm gonna come up with a calendar that's you know the 365 Daves a year calendar. And and you're, you're going to be like June, man, because you're springtime for me, dude. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. And uh, uh, I know it was a challenge to make this happen, but I hope the stars align that we can do this again because I would really like to, bud. I sure hope so, too. I had a great time, and it was a real pleasure being here. So thank <laughs> you, Dave, and thank you, Andrea, and thank you, Laura. Absolutely. And as long as we're doling out the thank yous, uh, thank you, dear listener, for hitting that play button. Without you, we're just four people having a great time on the Skype line, which is, you know, perfectly valid and okay. Uh, but we share these things so that you can be a part of this and, and get some literary gold for yourself. So we appreciate you equally and in great measure. Thank you so much. And if you're feeling the love, uh, you know, blog about it, share a Facebook post, spread the word about the round table. Let people know that this fabulosity is free and fabulous out in the world. And I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to light the habitual end of workshop cigarette because Holy crap. I am spent. You're over. You my man. word in everything. <laughs> I know. And and see, the thing is, the amazing, like, in seven days, like a phoenix from the ashes, we do this all over again. We bring back another <laughs> fabulous guest host pouring wisdom into our brains. We have another courageous guest writer pitching a story out there. We More, more brainstorming happens every single week. But I know, it's seven days. It's a long damn time. Dave... Help our listeners out, man. What can they do to make that time pass before before we can come to them once again? There is a lot of good music out there. Ooh. I recommend that you listen to a song enough so that you can sing along and then write about the song. Dude, that's awesome. That's Holy so meta. It is. It's meta. And, <laughs> and actually, God, you know, I could totally see somebody, you know, finding an album and, and writing a story using the songs of the album as the beats of the moment and then and then releasing it as a transmedia event. <laughs> Actually, do you know it's it's been I think Muse did that with one of their albums. Did they? Okay. All right. I know I know for sure that um, Trent Reznor I think did it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not claiming to invent storytelling, but but you know that could be a very cool exercise and a whole lot of fun. That's awesome, Dave, man. And I will tell you, friends, as I always do, you find what you're looking for. So look for the top shelf blue label goodness. Look for the fabulosity, the, the, the lost package at the back of the Christmas tree. Look for that fabulosity in your life. And if you look for it, I promise you, you will find it. We will be back in just seven days. Until then, you guys, stay cool, stay frothy, and stay awesome. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This episode of the Roundtable Podcast is copyright 2015 by Wonder Thing Studios and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means please don't sell it but you can share it to your heart's content. You can even use portions of it in your own productions, as long as you release those productions under the same licensing terms and reference us as the source. Theme music for the Roundtable podcast was performed by the Hepcats of Brotown, Gary Gold, David Labroyer, 
Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you would like to be a guest writer or guest host, join in on the conversation or just learn more about us, visit our website at www.roundtablepodcast.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash roundtablepodcast and on Twitter at writerspodcast. And you can always email us at thetable at roundtablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.